0: All right, so we're here, we're back, we're sort of leaning into this idea of how do we seek God in the midst of sheltering in place? Yeah. How do we seek God in the midst of COVID 19? How are we faithful in this season? Sure. Right, and we've, I don't know, so far, right, we've gone through Genesis, we've hit Exodus, we've hit creation, we've hit Exodus, but yeah. two big buckets. Sure, yeah. And I know today you're wanting to lean into exile. But yeah. At least as I understand the history and the chronology. Like to go from Exodus, the freeing of the people. Yeah. They're in the wilderness. They haven't even gotten to the promised land. Totally, yeah. And now we're going to jump into exile when they're kicked out of the promised totally. land. Like there's a lot of time there. Totally, oh yeah. Uh, maybe you could sketch that really briefly. Sure. And then we can get into sort of the exile motif and why you think it's Totally,
1: wrong. yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. So like you're saying, exile, this is kind of the other, the third bucket yeah. that I wanted so, to creation, highlight. creation, exodus, exodus exile. exile, yeah. And really exile is kind of a way to encapsulate a lot of Israel's "quote unquote" history and what we yeah. n- normally think of, like the narrative history of Israel. So you're right. We've you talk about Israel? They're freed, Red Sea. They go through the wilderness. They're at Mount Sinai for about a year. They're trekking through the wilderness for about 40 years because of some disobedience. Yeah. They get into the promised land at the beginning of the book of Joshua. As yeah. so, as the Torah closes, Deuteronomy closes. Moses dies, passes the baton off to Joshua, his successor. Uh, and the book of Joshua opens with kind of this commissioning from God to Joshua to be faithful to stick close to God's instructions yeah. and he's going to bless Joshua and through Joshua kind of bring out the the fruition of the promises yeah. to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Here's the land I'm going to give you. Yeah. Um so Joshua and the gang basically just go through the land and Joshua kind of recounts sort of how the land is acquired by the people of Israel. Okay. There's you know the battle of Jericho, a lot, a lot of famous stories yeah. in the book of Joshua. Um, there's high points and low points, as always, throughout these narratives. By the time you get to the end of the book of Joshua, for the most part, it seems like things are going well. They're off to mm-hmm. you know, a good start. Joshua and Caleb are kind of the main leaders yeah. at this point of the story. The story then transitions to the next book, the book of Judges. And kind of the, the narrative kind of recounts a little bit of what happened in the life of Joshua at, at the beginning of the book of Judges. But there's a couple narrative details that kind of give a clue as to things aren't actually gonna go so well for Israel going on. One of the things that they mentioned, the Book of Judges mentions, is that a lot of what Joshua and that generation, the Promised Land generation learned and kind of adhered to and obeyed, wasn't necessarily being passed down to the successive generations. So there's this kind of gap between kind of God's ways and God's instructions being passed down. What
0: the people are actually doing. Doing, exactly, Yeah. yeah.
1: So what ends up happening then is You have the book of Judges sort of kind of start with from about... So chapter one is basically the introduction to the book of Judges. Chapters two through about 16, there's a repetition of seven cycles where essentially Israel gets into some sort of disobedience and trouble, does something wrong. They cry out to God. God raises up a deliverer or a judge. That's where that language comes from. God brings some restoration, some forgiveness, some healing. good stuff happens. Good stuff happens, but then Israel falls back into rebelling again. That cycle repeats itself. Seven times over okay. throughout the majority of the first half of yeah. the Book of Judges. And seven's kind of an important important number. number. So it's yeah. like this com- kind of this complete like yeah. failure that's happening yeah. in the Book of Judges. And then at the end of the Book of Judges, there's this refrain that happens over and over. Two for- two refrains actually. Number one, the people did what was right in their own eyes. Okay. And that line gets repeated over yeah. and over. Which
0: seems very similar to Eve, Eve in the garden. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. So you have, you have the basic, eye the idea. IID, like exactly.
1: So it's the fall motif yeah. just on a grander scale okay. happening at the end of the book of Judges. we really throughout. Mm-hmm. So that's the first line that gets repeated. Yep. And then the second line that gets repeated often at the end of the book of Judges is in Israel or in the land, there was no king. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of leading you into what will happen next. We need a king, we need a king around here. So it's crying out. So like what, what we need around here is a king. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but not God as king, but an earthly king that will sort of it, make yeah, us like the nation. Like
1: the nation. So that's what happens when you transition to the next sequence of, of narrative books is the books of Samuel and Kings come next. Um, and Samuel kind of comes onto the scene, the book of Samuel does, and it kind of... Starts off with Israel's first king is kind of the main mm-hmm. part of the narrative, King Saul. Yeah, um, but King Saul doesn't go well. There's yeah. some things he's tall that, and handsome. He's but handsome. He's
0: not, uh, he's not the king that God is looking for. Exactly, the, yeah.
1: and which it's it's an important motif that happens because what we're going to see is. Here's God choosing and selecting and working through, not how necessarily man sees. This is kind of the Mm. the famous line in the book of Samuel. God doesn't see as man sees, but God looks at the heart. The the tiny David. The tiny David, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Saul rises to power, but in the midst of Saul's rising to power, his arrogance, his pride get in the way. He has sort of a downfall, basically, while simultaneously the little shepherd boy, David, gets anointed as king. And there's the jealousy and the strife that happens, mostly, obviously, really all from Saul towards David, Um, King David's going to rise to power, you have the David and Goliath story. Um, But what happens from there is as David's rising to power, and as David, you know, essentially sits on the throne of Israel, it becomes this high point for the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. He defeats Goliath, yeah. You know, Israel is very prosperous. Yeah. You know, so much of like all of the Eden, Abrahamic blessings yeah. are happening. Like coming yeah, great. it's like happening. Like this yeah. is it. This is like the high point. And really one of the major high points is God establishes or reestablishes or reaffirms his promise to David that through his line, Second Samuel 7, that there's going to be a king and a kingdom that will never end mm-hmm. through him. Yeah, which so feels
0: like Abraham exactly. and Genesis 12, Genesis 15, like... That sort of promise, promise motif yeah. keeps
1: going. All that all yeah. happens again, right? And so, Second Samuel seven—that's a key chapter in the, in the biblical story to kind of have in the back of your head. That's God establishing His covenant or promise uh, with David. But as the story continues, David has—we've mentioned it a few episodes ago too—his sort of major fall story with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. where he sees David or sees Bathsheba. She's good in his eyes, and takes Bathsheba. And from there, David essentially has. His sort of da- descending yeah. exactly. So he goes into his own exile. Absalom, his son, he has some problems with yeah. his son. There's David's the last half of David's life, at least as the narrative portrays it, yeah. is generally not all that yeah. all that great. I and mean, then Solomon, his yeah. son. yeah, Solomon, like, his son, he has some
0: great stuff. The temple, totally, has some really good stuff but he also yeah goes wayward. He
1: goes wayward for sure and just a couple of quick things to point out with Solomon. Solomon, he rises to power, you know, he is actually an, another high point in Israel's history where the kingdom's united. Like you said, he, the temple is built. Mhm. Um, he's almost depicted as like a new Adam. He asked for wisdom mm-hmm. to be able to discern yeah. good and yeah. evil. So That's it's great, like, yeah. you know, this is, yeah, this right, is the, the
0: Eve, right? And the serpent, right? If you eat it, it'll make you wise. wise yeah. yeah.
1: And so he asked for God's wisdom yeah. on God's own terms. Um, but what's very interesting is that as again, it's almost, it's a very sort of human motif, right? Mm-hmm. The more power, the more pride sure, one sure. gets, the the, bit, the greater the downfall in a lot of ways. Um, And what happens with Solomon is he almost verbatim starts doing... There's one paragraph in the Torah, in Deuteronomy 17, that gives the instructions for the kings of Israel, what they were mm-hmm. supposed to do and what they were not supposed to. And almost verbatim, Solomon starts to do exactly what Deuteronomy 17, the king, was not supposed to do. Wow. He requires many wives. He makes alliances and relationships with other foreign nations. He's accumulating all these this wealth. He mm. is uh, using forced labor, just yeah. like Egypt was, wow. to build his palace, which ends up taking twice as long as God's temple. And so they're like, there's this inversion that's happening where it's all becoming about Solomon and all of that pride and all that arrogance leads Solomon to this point where he begins to descend as well. Even though he was like a new Adam, even though things were prosperous, things begin to descend. And what eventually happens, again, this is all very big picture here. uh, Solomon and the kingdom, after Solomon, the kingdom gets split up into basically two Kingdoms, the northern kingdom, Mm -hmm. which is the the ten tribes to the north. And then Judah and the the southern kingdom, there's two tribes in the south. So now we're into the actual, the kings, the book of kings. First and
0: second kings. Yeah, so first and
1: second kings follow first and second Samuel. And this really begins the Solomon part of the story, the the earlier part of this in the book of first kings. But then, as this, and you start
0: having this repeating, Repeated right? motif.
1: Yeah. So what you end up ha- seeing is that after Solomon, the Book of Kings begins to trace these two kingdoms mm-hmm. side by side, yeah. and you'll get the narratives of you know in this you know age or in this era, King so and so reigned for X amount of years, and he did what, what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Yeah. And then every once in a while, you get a little bit more details as to what happened mm-hmm. and whatnot.
0: And it descends, and it descends. It descends and then eventually. Josiah comes on the scene.
1: Josiah comes on the scene. He there's like these high points. So for most of all of the kings in the north, they basically all get a poor grade on like doing well in the eyes of the Lord. There's a few kings in the southern kingdom that actually get like a thumbs up. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, well done, done." yeah. So Josiah is one Mm -hmm. of them. Hezekiah has a few high points um, as well as the narrative progresses. But overall, there is essentially this descent that's happening where whether it's idolatry or going after foreign yeah. gods or whatever the case might be. And that,
0: so what you're doing is you're setting the arc of how do we get from Exodus, yeah, we're in the promised land to now get into exile. Exactly. So you're showing, sort of illustrating through judges or through um, Joshua then judges through the life of Saul and David and all the kings um, Solomon, that follow. And then all the kings that follow this general trajectory of, we thought it was going to go this way. Yeah. It hasn't. And it's actually getting worse.
1: It's getting worse. Exactly. And so what ends up happening, a couple things, is that the covenant that God had established with Israel, Moses talks about at the end of Deuteronomy, that if you basically adhere to the covenant and follow God's ways, there's it's the blessing and curse mm-hmm. motif that Moses mm-hmm. talks about. But if you go your own way, Moses even says the in Deuteronomy, you will end up essentially in exile. Yeah. Like this was part of Kind of it's the, the agreement, the agreement essentially, yeah, exactly, covenant. And that, that gets reiterated multiple times, not just in yeah. Deuteronomy, but throughout a lot of these narratives. Yeah. And so, what ends up happening is that in about 720, I can't remember the exact date, but 720ish BC, Assyria comes and essentially wipes out the northern ten yeah. tribes and takes them into exile.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you first have you have two two tribes, two two kingdoms. kingdoms, exactly. The Assyrians come in; they take out the Northern Kingdom. Northern Kingdom. So sometimes we sort of converge these or merge them. Merge. And really, the Northern Kingdom is knocked out first.
1: Not knocked out first. Then the
0: Assyrians come down, and they're basically knocking on the door of the Southern
1: Kingdom. The Southern right? Kingdom, and there's a little bit of of a reprieve there, where yeah. they don't initially, well, the, yeah. the Assyrians don't actually end up taking over Jerusalem. When the Southern
0: Kingdom looks towards Egypt. Yeah. As like Egypt's going to help us. Yeah. But then something happens with the Assyrians.
1: Yes. Yeah, so they get wiped out, essentially, by the Babylonians. Who are behind, behind them. So them. they're on
0: the flank. What is that? Eastern flank. Eastern flank, yeah. And they take out. So then the Assyrians have to retreat to fight them. Yeah. The Babylonians conquer the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians approach. The
1: Babylonians approach, yeah. So now we're talking, it's about 587, 586 yeah, so BC. Years. About Yeah, a little over 100 years later. Yeah. Eventually Babylon comes yeah. and essentially destroys Jerusalem for the yeah. most part, destroys the temple, and hauls a majority of the Jewish people, you know, I don't know what the geography is, but yeah. many miles to the east. Yeah. And that's the kind of the narrative of, of Habakkuk, I think. Yeah.
0: Habakkuk's calling out, saying, God help us, and God's like, No, no, no. So I'm gonna bring the Babylonians yeah. to rescue you. And he's like,
1: What? Like, well, how is They're that gonna even happen? Worse. They're even worse. Yeah. So this is yeah. like, you know, you try to think this is the biggest, baddest you know, most powerful empire at this point in human history is the Babylonians. And they're the ones that are going to come through and essentially wipe out and take Israel. So maybe,
0: is it fair to summarize like you have, you know, 300 years or so between Joseph and the Exodus, right? There's a gap there. Mm -hmm. And we summarize that whole thing. Yeah. By Exodus. Exodus. Yeah. In the same way. Right. So really the Exodus isn't that few years, you know, where God, Actually liberates them. Yeah, like that process. Yeah, but it's not, it sort of captures that whole story. When we say exile, yeah, we're not just talking about the year Babylon breaks totally. in. Totally, we're talking about that narrative and what exile then represents.
1: Represents, yeah. It's you know you try to imagine yourself as like an, an ancient Israelite. You have all of the hopes and the expectations yeah. and the promises. You know, you have all of these stories of creation and exodus in your past. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, within a few generations, that whole narrative, all those promises come crumbling down. And you're in a foreign land or you're displaced. And things as you know it will pretty much never be the same. Yeah, And it's this complete sudden shift.
0: Because when we get to the New Testament... Yeah, Like we think, oh, exile, that was this time. But really, like...
1: It's continuing.
0: Yeah, they're really looking for a new exodus yeah. in the midst of a current exile because they're still ruled. I mean, yeah. the Maccabees, they have a little season. If this is too deep, like, we don't need to go there. Totally, they, yeah, you yeah, have totally. a little season where the Maccabees actually exert. So they are able to overthrow yeah. their tormentors. There's a little bit of freedom. freedom, But then quickly, uh, there's, you know, Rome comes Rome in. Rome comes in. other people that end up being their... They're landlords. Basically, So yeah. essentially, you're in the promised land, but you're not free. You're not
1: free, exactly. And So, so they that's,
0: return from Babylon, but they're still longing to sort of a hard way to return uh, from exile. Totally,
1: exactly. That's even when the books of Ezra uh, and Nehemiah come into play, mm-hmm. where there's a wave of, of exiles that are allowed to come back to the mm-hmm. promised land. But by the end of Ezra and Nehemiah, there's the cry of the people like, we're in our land, but we're not free. Exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying, and so Ezra and Nehemiah are kind of like this ski jump into the New Testament in a yeah. way. Of you know, we might some of us might be back in the land. Not actually everyone was. Many of the Jews are scattered yeah. throughout the known world still. Yeah. Um, but that
0: exists to this day. To this day, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so there's still this longing of you know God to come back. There's mm-hmm. still this longing of to God to be faithful to the covenant, and that's essentially how. The New Testament and Jesus comes onto the scene, which we'll get into in a couple of weeks here. Of Jesus sees himself as bringing this new exodus and this new return from exile, yeah. and f- basically trying to bring about all of the hopes and the promises that Isaiah and so many of the prophets were looking forward to in the midst of hmm. the displacement and the exile. Okay. Um. So that that's kind of a thirty thousand foot yeah. sort of overview. I have.
0: So then what? So you go from that, right? So you have the thirty thousand foot overview. Yeah. So then how does exile sort of hit the ground for us? Totally,
1: yeah. And so there's, I think, if I had to kind of boil it down into kind of three or so main books of the Bible that I think really help us in kind of get us feeling this exile motif and what it looks like to— Live in this sort of state. Uh, the Psalms would okay. be one, and I'll, we're going to mainly focus on the Psalms today. That's the prayer
0: book of the Hebrew Bible. Bi- Bible so the exactly. Songs and prayers.
1: Songs and prayers. So there's worship. There's lament. There's yeah. all these different kind of ways to respond and, and totally. interact with God in there. Uh, the Book of Isaiah, yeah. and Isaiah more so just representative of the prophets in general, because okay. the prophets are they come onto the scene as Israel's kings are rising to power. And they're kind of going their own way. The yeah. prophets kind of come alongside yeah. as like calling out all of the ways yeah. that Israel's kings are not yeah. fulfilling the covenant. God
0: speaks through the prophets to the people to invite them to return to, to return. the covenant promises. Exactly. To God yeah. and they keep going in their own way, which then leads sex out. Totally.
1: Yeah. One one uh, Tim Mackey calls them the covenant watchdogs. They're like yeah. you know, basically trying to bring Israel back to the covenant, but they're also offering these glimmers and these promises of hope. Yeah, a future that, hope. A future hope, exactly. That yeah. Israel's disobedience does not get the final word. God's faithfulness and God's promises will still come yeah. to pass. Yeah. Um so that's Isaiah, and really the latter half of Isaiah really so hits on. In the on. same
0: way, there's tohu and bohu, there's chaos at the beginning and God yeah. brings order and beauty. In the same way, in the midst of the disorder, yeah. the disordered loves of totally. the Jewish people uh, under the kings, like the prophets are saying, Yeah, you guys, you need to return, but yeah. even if you don't, God is going to bring beauty and order and exactly. goodness out of of whatever happens
1: yeah remember even just real quickly the story in genesis 15 that we often talk about of god walking through twice as he's making that covenant with abraham signifying even if abraham and his family break their end of the covenant god God is still god will still be faithful and so isaiah and the prophets represent that so you have the psalms isaiah and the prophets will mainly focus on the second half of isaiah Um, and then the book of daniel really the first half or so the book of daniel kind of gives us a window into actually living faithfully in exile, when the world and the culture goes this way or that way, being faithful to the narrative of Yahweh in Daniel's case, what does that actually look like? So you have worship, lament, prayers in the Psalms. You have both uh, the the covenant and the promises in the Isaiah and the prophets. And then you have like the living faithfully in the midst of all that uh, in the book of Daniel. And so what I want to do is really kind of press in even more on the Psalms. So just as a quick side note as well all of that 30,000 overview that we were just kind of dialoging there for the past 10 minutes or so there's a whole bunch of notes for those of your people are interested yeah. that want to kind of oh you thought more draw down date right. yeah. so there's nice. a whole there's a whole thing of like you know you have the dates of kind of all these things that we were talking about here um and then mm-hmm. even if someone's interested on page 55 of the notes there's I kind of have a chart of how the different books of the bible fit into at least when those events happen during yeah, the course of, of history. so I found
0: those said to be helpful just to have some sense of like, how does this history work? Yeah. Right? Just like stepping back for a second. Because when you read the Bible, it's yeah. not chronological. It's not chronological. Yeah. And so sometimes we think, oh, I'm just going to read straight through. And sometimes you're like, oh, well, actually... Sometimes reading straight through is actually a little confusing. Sure, yeah. Because they don't necessarily right, so they're organized into three major chunks. Sure, right? so totally. At least in the Tanakh. In the Chanuk, yeah. In the Hebrew Bible, so right? yeah. So you have like you have the Torah, you have the prophets, prophets and you have the, writings. the writings,
1: yeah. And so I have a whole. Um, I mean, we don't have to get into all of that. I have a whole section in here on the Jewish order yeah. of the Old Testament. So it's the same books of the Bible that we have in our English yeah. Bible Old Testament. But they're in, like you said, three trunks: the Torah, yeah. which is the same first five books; the Prophets, which include what we think of the history books. Yeah. But Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings, and then the three major prophets in the Scroll of the Twelve are the Prophets, and then the Writings, the Psalms. Even Ruth is yeah. in there. Ecclesiastes. Scroll of the
0: Twelve. You mean the minor? The prophets. minor prophets. So yeah. there's Twelve other <laughs> prophets.
1: prophets. Yeah. So there's fifteen, yeah. at least, how the Jewish ordering of yeah. it, of it is. Um, but I would. Someday I would love to go into that with with people. It's a a really, I think, it's helpful to see that because it really shows how the the whole Old Testament is ramping us up for looking forward to this prophetic hope of a coming Messiah. Um, The way the narratives work together, there's intentionality um, behind that. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. This episode went a tad bit longer than we had anticipated when we recorded it, so we decided to break it up into two. Next week, we'll take a deep dive into the book of Psalms and just really look at and explore the literary structure of the book and how it really speaks to just the human experience, especially in moments of pain and also how it offers so much hope for us as well. So look forward to that. If you can, feel free to check out the notes as well. Hopefully you got those. But we look forward to hanging out on Zoom on Wednesday. See you then.